Yo, what's going on, everyone? It's Brian and Jim here with Drink a Beer and Play a Game, and welcome to the 60th episode of the Power Hour. Yes, big episode number 60. Brian, <laughs> did you think we'd get here when we started this podcast all them years ago? I thought we would have been here about two years ago. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right about that. <laughs> Only we were consistent. Jim, why are we so... Is it the alcohol that makes us so inconsistent? Um, yes. I'll go with the alcohol. <laughs> totally isn't the wives and kids and overall laziness and... Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, and as you guys can tell, it's a way Jim and I hate doing it, but social distancing, trying to be responsible here. We're still doing it from each other's houses. Um, it's not optimal, but, you know... We're trying to be safe and smart out there. Yeah, we both got a lot of old people that we want to keep safe and a lot of young kids we want to keep safe. So, you know, if we have to stay away from each other, a small price to pay. Why not? Yeah. But as as this continues, and hopefully it doesn't continue for much longer, um, since Jim and I are home a lot more, we probably can be a little more consistent, at least, with doing these episodes. So yeah, maybe we can't cut anything to do, do it now. Jim, we gotta we gotta start giving more episodes to everyone who likes listening to us. All ten of them. Right, we have to entertain the masses when there's nothing else going on. <laughs> so, Jim, what? Wait, wait. Actually, let's play a little game since okay. you and I know each other's beer collection. Uh, as far as what you're drinking, you, my guess. Uh, did you? Is this from your old stock, or did you? Or is this a newer beer? What that I'm drinking for this episode? Yeah, uh, we can we can say old stock. Was it a Keystone, Jim? No. Is it? Uh, is it a White Claw? No. Okay. Um, it's not Keystone. I don't is it I... one of the? Is it one of the beers your wife got you through that subscription? No, not this time, just because we're doing it early in the day. And if, like, I drink even, like, two or three heavy beers early in the day and then I stop drinking, then I get, like, a headache and I get all tired for the rest of the day and it just ruins it. So, nah, none of those right so, now. So it sounds like you should just keep drinking then. Well, I'm not going to drink all night, but I got to watch my girlish figure. <laughs> Damn it. Um, huh. I'm drinking, I'm drinking that, a Coors Light. It's a Coors Light. That was my third guess. Well, you took too goddamn long. <laughs> well, I'm glad there's nothing on that can. Um, yeah, for me, I'm going with the boys from the Chamonix Creek Brewing Company, and it's their Churchville Lager. If you've been watching our site, you know I've been having beer battles and talking about them. It's because I have a really big mix pack from them. But uh, <clears throat> if I can steal a little bit from Jim. Oh, no. This great oh, no. American Beer Fest medal-winning Vienna-style no-fuss amber lager is clear, crisp, and brewed with Munich and Vienna malts that give it a malty backbone and toast-like character supported by a touch of German hops. Cheers. <laughs> All right, I'll give you that one. It started a little weak. I was like, he's not doing this obnoxious enough, but then he found his groove. <laughs> Listen, Jim. I I don't I don't do that bit. You got you got to give me some uh, leeway. I'll give you a solid like seven for a first time. That was pretty good. All right. I'll take it. So we talked about this last time with Nick on, and once again, Nick, if you're listening, thanks for coming on our podcast. Uh, with the time I have now, I have been able to really dive deep into some of my video game collections, and uh, yeah, man, I am balls deep 
in New Vegas, and I'm like 36 or 37 hours now into that. And of course, Jim and I have talked about this. I'm obsessive. When I play a game, I'm not just going to blast through the main story. If it's a game, especially a Bethesda game, I'm going to go through so many of those side quests and just, oh, let me get this challenge done and this and that. I probably won't go full 100% complete and like have various save points and see every single ending, but I can tell you I've literally, I think, found every location in that like Mojave Wasteland except for the actual Vegas Strip because I'm doing like every quest outside of it. And oh, wow. Yeah, man. That game, especially, uh, I'm doing it on the hardcore mode for those of you who don't know. Like, ammo has weight to it. You have to hydrate. You have to eat food. Your stim packs don't heal you right away. So it's all about goddamn micromanagement. And I was trying to see why Jim loved this this particular game so much and as we've talked about i think you just i think you actually do enjoy micromanagement in games like that gives you a different level of enjoyment in doing games like this am i right i think especially with a game like new vegas it's just another level of immersion in like a post-apocalyptic wasteland (laughs) which we might be getting closer to sooner later so might as well get that practice in now i guess yeah um it's certainly something i mean i of the 30-some-odd hours, I'd have to say easily three of them have been spent going back to my safe location, which happens to be that, like, Wolfhorn Ranch or whatever the hell it was. Oh, yeah, and yeah. just dumping materials, then going, bartering them off, and then, like, buying, like, whatever I can. It's just there's so much time, which I get it. Like, it is very strategic, and I'm very gun-heavy, so I'm going to pick, like, three or four guns i'm going to use the ammo for it and like not carry anything else so it's it's a unique it's definitely the most unique fallout experience i'll say of the newer games i'll give it that yeah i mean like it doesn't have the uh like i said it before it doesn't really have as many oh shit moments in the storyline or like stuff that blows you away but i think like gameplay wise it's probably like the most solid and really gets across what i think like a fallout game should be So I was thinking about that, and I think since I've been recording a lot of my footage is 3, I feel like, has the best story. Mm -hmm. New Vegas, with this hardcore mode, like, let me be clear, with the hardcore thing, it gives you a different element. Like you're saying, you're pretty spot on with it's uh, it's like what would you what would happen to you in the apocalypse and you had to really worry about all this other shit. Right, visceral. (laughs) It is boots on the ground visceral, Jim. I still say 4 is much better because the gunplay is much better. The ability to craft items and, like, just build communities. Like, that takes a lot of, like, better gameplay elements and makes it more accessible to a lot of people. I still haven't played 76 yet, and, I, you know, I've obviously seen all the terrible reviews. But I may actually dive into it now that, you know, I'm just burning through games, so we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely report out as I get a little further into this game, but... It's a Bethesda game. There's no such thing as a bad... Well, <laughs> let me stop. There's no such <coughs> thing as a bad Bethesda Fallout or Elder Scrolls game, I'll say. Yeah? Yeah? Now, how about you? Are you uh, you, you hitting up anything in your collection, or do you just keep playing random new stuff or old stuff? Uh, Well, the things I'm definitely hitting in my collection are for the next, <laughs> the next series of things we're going to be doing. I mentioned it last time. Um... <laughs> We're going to be doing the Mortal Kombat spinoffs because we didn't hit them when we did all the mainline games. So, I have the PlayStation ones. 
So I got through Special Forces. I'm going through Mythology Sub-Zero right now. And I made a tweet about how every 10 years I try to go back to that and see if it's you know any better than I remember. And no, it's, it's just as bad every single time. Yeah, I can distinctly so remember you playing can it. See. You guys will be able to see our full score soon enough. <laughs> when you and I were doing the Mortal Kombat games and you made me play that, I remember that was the reason why I said, let's not do the spinoffs. Because that was, game was just, that was terrible. And, and even being a kid, I remember running that one weekend, playing it for a tiny bit and saying, nope, I'm like, no, I love Sub-Zero. He's my favorite character, but I... I can't do this. Um, you do got to make sure, Jim. Uh, you got to play MK11 because we got to finish off those mainline games. Yeah, I'll either have to borrow that off you or do a digital download because fucking stores are closing. <laughs> Depending on where you live, they're actually like police taping off like entertainment sections is like unnecessary like purchases and things to touch. So shit's getting real. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll we'll have to touch MK11. I'll probably have to borrow Shallow Monks off you too, so we can bang all those out. And it should it also should be noted that uh, you know it'll obviously we we don't love doing these reviews the way we're doing like this podcast. We just did our toe jam and our all final review like this. It's not optimal. It's not the way we want to do it, and I think it just makes better if we're near each other so we can talk it out. We may push that out. You may be seeing other reviews from us individually from Jim and I because we have a backlog of games that have been shared with us, sent to us, whatever word you want to use. Yep. And we want to we want to hit those up, kind of just get them out of the way now. So it will be smaller reviews. It won't be the format you're used to, but it'll be Jim and I, whoever has been playing the game the most, and we'll just give you a quick little honest review beer uh, pairing with it. But <clears throat> once we get back to Mortal Kombat, because a lot of you have asked, like, hey, why don't you finish off the other Mortal Kombat? Where's MK11? Yep. We knew as soon as we, as soon as the ticker went up for people watching and complaining about our choices in MK Top 10 videos, we're like, oh, people are starting to get back into MK because MK11. So we knew that was coming. Yep. So had to be done. So yeah, we're getting around it. But as far as like casually playing goes, I'll either just pull something off the shelf behind me, or if I'm just, you know, really burnt out, I'll just sit down with whatever I've downloaded on my Switch and put a little more time into something here or something there. I was going to say, when was the last time you've actually played something on your Xbox? Uh, it's been a little while. Maybe I'll find it. Was it Call of Duty? When I, probably the last time I played Call of Duty with you. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, what do you call it? Um, yeah, I, you know what? I do have a couple Xbox One games I should get through, too. So. Yeah, I'll probably pop one of those guys in. Maybe I'll, like, yeah. finally finish up, what do you call it, Titanfall 2's campaign. Go through it and finally, like, finish that off completely. Yeah, it's not very... I think that's... It's like eight hours. hours. Well, not yeah. that long. You could, you could bang that out fairly fast. Yeah. But, yeah, man. It's one thing I definitely try to... It's going to be really hard, because April 3rd and Resident Evil 3 comes out. There's been so many deals now digitally, and I'm like, no. I need to finish these other games. I can't keep filling up my damn external hard drives with games that are just going to sit in my virtual shelf. Right, our views on Resident Evil games are going to go up again when the remake comes out. Good thing I we know. did all those videos. They're going to hate us. And there may be top tens coming with those Resident Evil games. Topical. Timing. Well, I especially now thought, let's wait until this remake... Th- 
um, number three remake is out, so we can potentially include it in some of our top tens. Oh, yeah. No, it's a smart way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. We're dirty horses. So, we need to help. Jim, don't say the W word. There are people, too. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> so share below if you guys if you're trying any new beers you're trying any new games um yeah share below let us know what you think and especially on twitter reach out to us let us know if there's any games you think we should try yeah exactly let us know what you guys have been drinking and playing while in isolation and quarantine no better mm-hmm. time than now pretty much but let's push all that aside get into the show as we always do and start off with our patreon questions www.patreon.com slash drink a beer play game where for as little as two dollars a month you can ask a question that we will answer on this power hour podcast probably i got that down memorized you you uh hey i'm if there's one thing i might shake my head because you know i am very against the virtual whoring there there i go i said the w word thanks yeah (laughs) virtual virtual sex work is real sex work Oh God! But <laughs> but I I'll say you read those things you 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 got that down. That's your shtick. I'll give you that. Yeah. All right. So Patreon questions. First up from our buddy Gamer Astral. Are you guys digging the apocalyptic vibe or not? God damn it! We're trying to distance ourselves. From- <laughs> uh, it's, I, it's- I'll, I'll say this. It's different and it's weird. Like. Uh, we'll still take our like. Luckily, I live on some pretty quiet streets, so we can take our kid in the stroller and just go for a walk around some blocks. And it is quiet. Like we, it was generally a quiet block beforehand, but it's like ghost town levels of shit. And actually, today it was like a little overcast and it was raining earlier, so like you, it was like pin drop kind of quiet. It's definitely different. It's weird. Uh, oh, pardon me. I was always more like when I was growing up, I barely left the house anyway, so. I'm adjusting fine enough to it right now, but I mean, even I think someone like me is going to cave into that cabin fever soon enough. I've been actually probably more busy with this shit because I've been getting so much like random housework done and getting other like projects done that I've been like uber busy. I almost wish I could like go out to work because that would be a relaxation for me. Um, What's crazy to me is that still, and I don't know if you've seen this too, Jim, when I do have to go to the store, it's like the, the amount of traffic and people out at stores. And I'm not even just, I'm not even talking about your targets, your Walmarts or BJ's Costco. I get they're going to be packed, but I still up until a week ago saw people at like friggin' like Chipotle or Burger King, like all these fast food and whatever places I'm like. Why are so many people still willing to go out? Like, I, I I don't know. I went into the mode like I don't want anything from another food place because I don't know who's touching it, who's doing what. Yeah, I'm ordering food. Um, you know, I'm all for everyone who wants to go out and support smaller local businesses because whatever. But like, yeah, man, I'm not dying for Burger King, and I don't need to go out and then do. De- you know, get food from someone who's now interacted with how many different people. Right. It just, that still amazes me. And I still see, like, I live off a big road in PA, well, in Bucks County. And it looks like traffic has not slowed down really that much at all. And I'm, and even yesterday, it's fucking Saturday. 
where was everybody going that there was so much traffic still nonstop? I'm just, I don't know if enough people are still taking this shit serious. They're not. Um, but yeah, it's cause I see so many people on Twitter, like post at their grocery stores, like a bunch of empty shelves. And I've literally not seen that at all, except for the toilet paper shelf. Like that's literally the only thing I see emptied out, but meats, you know, meats, depending on the day you go, can be pretty empty. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know, man. I, I wish more people would take it serious. And I know it sucks, but it's like that old thing. W- what I think this is really telling of is all the people who are being really defiant and keep going out and doing shit, those were those people that didn't get disciplined enough as kids because they clearly have an issue with just being told, like, you can't do something. Whereas, like, there's a lot of us that are just like, all right, this is going to suck. We're two weeks in, but let's do it or whatever and these assholes that keep going out don't realize they're the same ones that like your punishment is just going to keep getting further and further along the more you you know keep doing whatever you want to do so hopefully more people get with the program yeah i I was talking about with my wife last night too and we're also in that perfect age group where we have young kids now we worry about and we have old folks that we pretty much take care of at this point so we're in that perfect thing of being like ah fuck we gotta take this seriously like if you want to look back to like SARS, like two thousand nine, I bear like I remember the name being thrown around, but I remember nothing about like the scare or how deadly it was. And I know it wasn't as like transmittable remotely as easy, but we were still going to class in college, like nothing at that time. We went to Cancun, the whole group of us, for the trip and shit like that. So when we were like twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, that's the furthest thing from your mind, anyway. So like I see people freaking out about the spring break videos and. Trust me, I get it, and I get why people are so mad, but a part of me also thinks back to when I was that age, and I was like, yeah, I was an asshole, too. There are people that want to... There are kids that want to fuck. Like, that's what spring break is all about, and I... Everyone that's judging, I, I judge the shit out of them. We, you, me, and Nick all judged them last week and said they're friggin' idiots, but, like, right. yeah, at 18, 19, 20, whatever age they are, if you showed a video of us from then, we're fucking idiots, too. And we would have been, like, these are kids that are literally, they just want to get banged. They want to get drunk. They want to do whatever. They're not thinking seriously about the world because what the fuck do you know at that age anyway? Like, not that we're, like, super geniuses, but we just have a little bit, like you said, we're in that, that prime spot where we have kids. We have older people. Like, we're getting more serious about what we need to take care of. At that age, you don't care at all about anything. So... Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but had we if we were that age right now, it's not like we would have been these geniuses who would have been all upfront. We probably would have been just as stupid. So, you know, yeah, I'm not saying give them give them any slack. You got to give those kids a hard time so they grow up and grow out of that shit. But you know, just don't forget to look in the mirror because you were probably that person too. Yep. All right, next question. Which, from Game Whisperer Dean, which Brady user guide do you use first when the toilet paper runs out? I've never used a Brady user guide. I don't know if that's a UK-centric thing. I was going to say, is that a standard, like, like well, I don't even know the name of the publisher, but you know, like, the ones we used to always get from uh Well, yeah, there's, there's like, else. Prima books and all that shit. Prima's, like, the Prima, big one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if it's like that, what's funny is I do have a lot of them, but... It's odd enough, I can't part ways, and sometimes, like, I recently bought Resident Evil 1. Not that I need that strategy guide at all. I just love the book, the way it looks. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would go with that. I'd probably first go with still some of my old, like, 
random books before I would touch those. <laughs> yeah, I looked it up, and I guess they make user manuals. So I'm going to go with the BP BBP31 sign and label printer. Looks like a very well-made user manual. A lot of black and white text. Nice little blue header. Looks like it'll go good with my little balloon knot. So, ooh, there's pictures, too. So, yeah, I guess I'll go have to go with that one. Jim. Number one, don't ever, and I mean ever, refer to your thing as a little balloon knot. We know you have a distended roast beef shot with a twenty-two shotgun blown-out asshole. We, we know that. We know your history. Don't ever say little balloon knot. Like, don't make it like it's cute. Like, it it's like, cute. oh, it's just, it's just a little mwah. No. It's like a... It's a Hershey kiss. It's just... It's not. It's... We know what you've been through. And it's been well documented. <laughs> Brian, so, what, yeah. What I, I can't relate to, to that question. I, I don't have an answer for that, Jim. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, team. Moving on. <laughs> From uh, G to the next level, what are some of your guiltiest pleasure games? Hope you guys are keeping well during this craziness. Cheers. Thanks, bud. You too. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Hmm. Guilty pleasure games. I'll go first on this one. Give you a little time. The easiest answer for me is going to be Fighting Force, whether it's on uh, the N64 or the PlayStation 1. Because it's not like we reviewed it a while back. And like we said back then, it's not a game that's great. It's a, it's a really, really generic 3D brawler, but I don't know. I just have so much nostalgia for it that it's still one of those ones that's like, ah, yeah, I know it's kind of crap, but I still enjoy every time I pick it up. Hmm. Okay. Ah, oh, man. Guilty pleasure game. Or maybe you could say Superman 64 and me just flying through the rings. You could say that, too. Damn it, Jim. Of my rings. I... I don't know. Like, there's no game I fear. Maybe I'll take this a different way. I, I see what he's saying. Like, there's no game I play, and I'm like, oh, man, like, if only everyone knew I was playing it. I don't have, honestly, any games. Like, I, I've talked many times. I like No Man's Sky. Uh, I like the relaxing nature. So that's probably the closest, but I'm not, like, someone who would not admit to playing it. Um, when it comes to guilty pleasure, w- one game that I almost feel guilty because of how much time I spend when I do play it are, like, rts's or like games like rome total war things like that any pc game that i get really invested because i dive deep and i play probably many more hours at a single session than i do any other game if i'm playing call of duty if i'm playing new vegas if i'm playing any of those games i normally talk about i can literally do like a 20 30 minute session play and stop if i'm doing a pc game like i just mentioned cool i'm 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 deep in it, so I feel guilty that I invested so much time sitting there playing that. That's probably the closest I could come. All right, fair, fair. And, yeah, I'm the same way as we talked about before with RTSs. So, Mm -hmm. good question. Next up, Todd Hargosh, Snarkast. Since you were both talking about the VR version, I have to ask, overrated or underrated? Ooh, Half-Life 2. Yee. Um, hmm. Wait, does he mean the Half-Life 3? No, Half-Life 2, the big the big one. There was a, I I'll be honest, I didn't even realize there was a VR version. No, no, no. We were talking about Half-Life Alex last week, so he's oh, asking oh, whether oh. Half-Life 2 is overrated <coughs> or underrated. Gotcha. Um I 
It's tough. It would be easier to say overrate it because there's I never find anyone who says it's underrated. Right. Um, but it's kind of like when someone asks that about Super Mario 3, there's a reason everyone talks about it and says it's great because it is. Um, and it's more about, like, historically what it did. If you took a kid that's, you know, 15 years old, never played any of those old games, has played every predecessor that was inspired by those physics, by that, that system, and played that, they might be a little bored with it, to be honest. And I could understand, you're like, I don't get the huge appeal. But still, that story, that game, revolutionary for a time, one of the biggest jumps in technology and physics and video gaming. So I don't see how you could justifiably say it's overrated unless you go with what I just mentioned, which is because everyone sucks it off, but it's for a good reason. So I'll still say underrated for historical significance, and I really love that game and that story. So, yeah, I'll say underrated. Yeah, I mean, just to be on the other side, and I was probably going to say it anyway, I would, I'd probably say overrated just because I was in that faction and didn't play it when it first came out. Played a lot of Counter-Strike, which is based off it, but... Um, the game itself, I didn't really play. And then when you go back years later, you're like, oh, I've seen this a thousand times now. So it's in the, like you said, it's in that vein of like GoldenEye, where when it came out, it was revolutionary. But then you go back and you're kind of like, eh, but it was super important for the time. So, well, here's one thing I will say. <clears throat> I think especially because it got released on the orange box. Uh, that game aged a shit ton better than Goldeneye. Oh, yeah, I by think far. that's undeniable. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were trying to... No, okay. no, 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 no. No, no. I mean, it aged... With... No, it's still extremely playable today. That's... Yeah. yeah. I'm just talking about for, like, the impact that it had when it got released. For, like, the physics engine and for storytelling in an FPS and blah, 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 blah. So, everything that everyone's ever gotcha. said about it a thousand times already. But, you know, just for me as a guy who didn't play it until years later, when I played, I went, yeah, it's good. But, you know... At you that are blown point. away. I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, that's a good one. Shit, we could have used that for later. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, good I question. I like it. And our last one from our brand newest uh, patron, NerdyNick91. He signed up right after we did our podcast last week. So that was Thank super you, nice bud. of him. Uh, you're the man. Yeah, for real. With WrestleMania approaching, what are your favorite Mania moments slash matches? Ooh. Uh, I think you and I have talked about this. My easy two are Sean winning the title at 12, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which I know 12 is like one of your biggest WrestleManias too with, you know, <clears throat> while that you tell it. Right. But that and uh, Warrior beating Hogan with the dual titles, that those were the two most, when I recall Mania moments like growing up, those were the two most impactful for me because Shawn Michaels was always my favorite wrestler. And that was, like, huge. And, obviously, Warrior, when I was a kid, like, <clears throat> him going against Hulk was, like, this passing of the torch. And I never saw two titles on the line at the same time. So, yeah, I'll give those two moments. Bri, you're not going to go with Undertaker noosing Big Boss Man in a Hell in a Cell match? <clears throat> um, no. I, I thought of a lot of Undertaker moments, but... Yeah, they they were always – like, I could always rely on a cool Undertaker moment. Those other two stood out as more important. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I was just being a dick because that was a terrible moment. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I talked about it, I think, on here before, but just in general. So, like, my best friends growing up all loved wrestling, and I didn't really care about it, but I had a legal cable growing up. So 
when WrestleMania 12 came around, everyone was like, hey, can we come over and watch it? And I was like, sure, why not? So we watch it, and the whole event just blew me away. Like, Roddy Piper and Goldust in the backyard brawl, uh, the squash match with friggin' Ultimate Warrior, me basically seeing Undertaker for the first time. And if you look at that entrance compared to, you know, any mm-hmm. entrance now, it's so simple. But even back then, just, like, the music and the ambiance just blew me away. And then, of course, like, Sean and Brett. So, Sean and Brett is definitely up there as one of mine, too. And then the other one, if I'm going to do two moments, will be, what do you call it, the double turn with Brett and uh, Austin. I still think that's probably the best. I'll say that's the best wrestling match of all time, just in general. Because the story it told, the in-ring action was great as well. But the story, the fact that it's, like, the perfect double turn, just everything about it is, like, flawless to me. And just that image of, like, you know, Austin covered in blood, passing out, like, his first real, like, turning into the babyface man kind of deal. Gotcha. No, no, they're both great moments, so. Yeah, I like it. Good question, man. And, of course, you got to go with Fandango beating Chris Jericho. That's easy number three, so. Damn it, Jim. All right, that wraps up the Patreon questions. Great questions all. Thanks again, guys. And once again, check the link below to the link to our Patreon if you want to ask questions as well. Thank you, guys. Truly appreciate it. So, I can't guarantee this will become a reoccurring segment, but I saw this video. I tagged Jim in it, and I said, this is pretty ridiculous. And I wanted to get his take. I already think I know what his take's going to be. Oh. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make me sigh, but... um. I'll actually put this video, it'll be muted, but I'll put it in our main video. Um, as you can see, this lovely young woman is cleaning up a glass. Hardworking girl. Decides, decides to put it right up in her ass. She's clothed, if you're listening to audio and you don't understand. And uh, she she goes up to the tap. She gets she like steps up, pours it while it's holding her ass. And then a customer reaches forward and grabs it out. So, Jim, (laughs) what was your first take when you saw this video? God bless this wonderful, wonderful woman. (laughs) It's not a thing that every girl should do, but the ones that can, they should. Well, that's, I mean, she's, uh, yeah, she's well-equipped to do this. Let's put it that way. And not in a bad, there's nothing bad there. No, 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 no. Um, What's crazy is. (laughs) Is it sanitary? Probably not. That's. Honestly, that that there is, and this is where probably our age is showing a little bit. Because are you I'm worried like, about the booty swipe, Ray? I'm just like, yeah, man. Like, how long of a shift has she had? Is it cold in that bar? Has she been running around a lot? Um, it looks like she's pretty casual, and she's just kind of like, it's funny because she's like maintaining a complete conversation. She's cleaning the glass. She's like, yeah, man. So, like, what about your weekend? Oh, it's what not her first time doing it. Like, and then yeah, she's just like doing it and. I just uh, here's the thing, Brian. What if Did her she... what if her timing's a little off one day and it comes, you know, your beer starts smelling like pennies? You know, there's always a risk involved. Here. Oh God, damn it, Jim! What? Don't say that. Don't ruin it. Uh, I just here's my deal. Did she like say, "Hey, boss, I got this new trick. Do you want to see what I can do?" Or like. I just want to know, this is one of those, I I want like Justin Wang to go into like stories on the internet or something and find out the origin of how this happened. Like, this is one of those things where I'm like, how the, how, who decided to do this? Because we've seen some crazy shit at bars and strip clubs and whatever, but I've, that's literally the first time I've seen that happen. And I doubt it's the first time it's ever happened, 
But, uh, yeah, I don't even know, man. I've, uh, it's interesting, <laughs> but I just had to share it. I knew Jim would have an interesting take. Ooh. Goddamn pennies, Jim. What? Damn it. What? It's Damn a concern. It. Damn it. <laughs> I'm a realist, bro. But, all right. Look, we've been to enough bachelor parties and strip clubs, and some of our friends have had some unfortunate experiences with pull strings. So <laughs> I'm just saying it's a thing that can happen. Uh, you're not, you know, I'll say you're not wrong. How about that? <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just leave it there. You're not wrong. So, yeah, le- let us know in the comments below. If you, no, here's the deal. Jim and I are sitting here saying <laughs> we'd worry about sanitation. If we were at that bar and that was an option or she said, do you want me to serve it like this? We'd say yes. It oh, would, God, yeah. There, there, there's no chance. Like, eh, nah. Any dude, any dude, it's like, I would not do that. Yes, you would. And if you really wouldn't, mm, there's – no, you would. <laughs> you just would. I'll do it right now in the Corona apocalypse. Come on now. Damn it. That is one of my favorite memes where it's like people are afraid to stand next to each other at a bar, but it's like, or no, what is it? People are afraid to cough on each other, but like five minutes late after meeting someone at a bar and it's just one a guy eating a girl's ass out. Yeah. It's, guys are wholly motivated by one thing. And that if you want to say that's our biggest def, like our defect, then Yeah. There's there's no fixing that, so I just had to share that video with you, Jim. Share it with maybe the world. we'll find other goofy ones, but that was uh I saw that and I was like, okay, we gotta talk about this. Yeah, so like, let us know what you think of this video below. He went, Jim, Jim must see this. God damn, he was right. <laughs> I Jim, I needed to give you a break from talking about goddamn wrestling and politics on Twitter. I don't talk politics on Twitter, bitch. I just retweet shit about current. And all the lies. You 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 bitch about politics on from our account. I'm like, damn it, we're beer and video games. Why am I seeing shit about everything else coming from Twitter, Jim? Look, Brian, you just son of a bitch. Just, just let Daddy get the eyes on the page. All right, let me do no. my thing. God damn, I will never eyes or eyes. As much as I might hate a lot of your video game opinions, I at least like you're keeping it video game related. And then when you're talking about the goddamn Usos, I'm like, damn it, Jim, stop. Spoon fed stardom. That's all I'm gonna leave it at. So, speaking of video games, <clears throat> this is an interesting one, and it comes actually, ironically, from Twitter. For me! But, <laughs> Jim, damn it! <laughs> uh, Streets of Rage and Sonic music inspired by Paula Abdul. Yeah, so this was just like a random like uh, Twitter thread, and some guy was like, yeah, I'm sitting here listening, and this was like all in Japanese, so I had to translate it, but... The guy's like, I'm sitting here listening to Straight Up by Paula Abdul, and a lot of these sound effects sound like something you hear in a Sega Genesis. And then, like, two tweets down, Yuzo Koshiro, who did the music for, like, Streets of Rage, and I believe Revenge of Shinobi, and, like, a bunch, like, a guy from his team worked on the original Sonic music, all that kind of shit, said, I inspired by Straight Up and made the soundtrack for Misty Blue in 1990. After that, I created Streets of Rage and contains those sound. And the sound programmer of the Sonic game was the same as the one of Streets of Rage. That might be the inheritance. So, in a way, yeah. we can thank Paul Abdul for all these wonderful soundtracks that we wound up with. So, Jim, would it be safe to then say Paul Abdul is your favorite artist of all time? Because that's all you talk about, Sonic sounds and Streets of Rage sounds? I might have to, Bri. <laughs> I mean, it, Bri, yes, when you cool hear kid. it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh-huh. Every time I hear, I see that video, though, I think of the Family Guy thing. Oh, yeah. But no, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, 
when you hear that it has that distinct sound to it and of course you're like yeah that sounds really similar what made me kind of sit there and go hmm is imagine if all right take like the nes and say it actually was built in the 70s and it was inspired by music from the 60s and 70s like how much different would 8-bit sound that we know and the music composition how different would it be if if the people programming it were inspired by a different type of music like you know it all came together in a very like when everyone talks about 80s they're talking about the way movies look the sounds the you know video game sounds like all these things because they kind of came together at this perfect time and fed off one another do you think it would have been drastically different? Because I sure should do. Like I said, if it was a decade before, like, you know, 70s, 60s, like, really inspired by that kind of music and, like, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll just look at ports <clears throat> of uh, the original Doom that don't have the rip-off Metallica and, you know, all those songs from it. Like, Judas Priest rip-off songs and everything mm-hmm. like that. Like, <clears throat> I forget what version of it was, and I'm not talking about, like, the silent Jaguar Doom. But like I know there's a version with like its own arranged soundtrack, and it's still or, or Doom sixty four, a perfect example. It's got just like moody sound and moody ambient music, and it it's probably scarier in general. But it doesn't have you know it takes away that fast paced just like kind of thing that you get from real Doom. Yeah, <clears throat> that's my point. Like I. How much of the nostalgia we have for games is also just strictly tied to the sound of the time, which oh, yeah. is, you know, ironically, well, it's not ironic, but <clears throat> Streets of Rage and Sonic, they are, their music was inspired by Paula Abdul. Whether you like her or not, there's no mistaking that sound. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, t- I just, yeah, that would be very interesting. Like, I wonder what games now have sounds being influenced by, like, whoever, like, fucking post malone and drake like current people yeah it, it's it's one of those things i never thought about as much until you put this up there so mm-hmm. it's like i would actually and you just mentioned doom as another one i'd actually like to go through and maybe even keep this as a segment it's like if we can find games and they're clear like links and inspirations because that's very intriguing like would sonic and would street rage be as good if they were inspired by like wham instead of paul Abdul or something like that would know, be just... interesting as shit <laughs> wake me up <laughs> well actually what do you call it? I, you know what for next podcast i have a good one where a pop song was actually influenced by a video game so i'll hit you with that Ooh. one next week okay so yeah i, I really like that that's a thank you uh, whoever from Twitter put that out there for Jim to find. Yeah, I, th- I think like Zots posted it or maybe Bruno gotcha. posted it in uh, one of our group chats and shit like that. No, that's a great one. So I love that topic. If you guys know any, comment below and we'll gladly talk about them in future ones. But I love topics like that. Gets you thinking a lot more about like it's not just somebody coming up. Because we all know there's no such thing as original create. Like everything is inspired by something whether directly or semi-indirectly. Like, you're not coming up with a completely original thought. Like, there's a modification of some of the shit you've seen or heard, so. Yeah. All right. Bry, imitations is a serious form of flattery. <sighs> pennies, Jim. Pennies. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right. So then the next topic, uh, Jim, you threw this up here. But it looks like I think it's a follow up on something we've talked about previously, unless I'm wrong. I, I think we mentioned it, but um, we we love as 
people who follow the page know we love our lawsuits for these uh, podcast topics. And there's been an ongoing one. One of the biggest complaints about the Nintendo Switch is the drifting of the Joy-Cons. It's been going on since day one. Uh, Nintendo offers for you to send your Joy-Cons back to them, and they will fix them and send them back to you. But there's been reports of repaired ones drifting again. And even the Switch Lite, which is the newer, updated version of the Switch, has the same problem. Somehow. So, there's an ongoing class action lawsuit about the drift issues, and it will go to arbitration. So, Nintendo basically tried to get it thrown out, and the judge basically dismissed their, what do you call it, their claim to try and just get the whole thing thrown away. The judge looked at it and went, yeah, you know what, there's a legit case here. Yeah, I I almost look at it, it's kind of like a car manufacturer who finds out after they've put shit out there and they have to make a recall. And sometimes they'll let shit go because it's cheaper just to let something go and fix it as needed versus calling everything back. Like, it's along those same lines. And, and I'm truly not trying to be shitty to Nintendo, but let's be honest, since, since the Super NES, the quality of their consoles and things have gone downhill. Uh, N64, the console's indestructible, but but their controller, we know Jim loves it, but it, their things just weren't as reliable, and I feel like this is just another symptom of that, and I it's just very odd to me, though, that, like you said, the light, the, the Switch light is having this issue, too. Yep. There must be just an inherent flaw with the way that stick is made, Um and yeah, re-engineering the whole process to manufacture these things, I'm sure it would just, it probably is cheaper to just have people send it in, or they know a lot of people are just not going to bother doing it, or go get another one, or get a third party, and they're like, ah, whatever. Like, they're not worried, because it's clearly not hurting their sales. Yeah. So, for, from a business standpoint, it sucks, but you're still going to buy their shit, so why would they go ahead and fix it? Hey, if there's some kind of settlement, I'm fine with it. That means I'll get, like, you know, 10 bucks. Whatever. I'll take it. But it is, like, because I know buddies who've repaired their Joy-Cons with, like, a little $5 stick set that you can get on Amazon. And you're like, yeah, it's an easy fix, and it works fine. I just didn't have to do it. So I think there's oh, yeah. an easy fix out there that Nintendo could implement, but as we're seeing with the Switch Lite, it's something that, for some reason, they're not. So at that point, yeah, fuck them, sue them. Whatever. I'll never... One thing that always makes me feel good... Is that you look at gaming community, just like remember the 360, uh, Three Rings of Death? Oh, yeah. Like everyone knew, like, oh shit, when is my t- when is my time? And I remember, like, one of my best friend's cousins, like, found some shit about, like, super gluing or soldering a whole bunch of pennies to, like, a cooling device. Like, did all these things that could fix the problem. Like, people just came up with ways, and it, it was very interesting. Should you have to do it? Nope. But. Anything mechanical and electrical, you're probably going to have issues, and it does suck that you would think a company like Nintendo would have better quality testing. But let's face it, they they don't care. I mean, that's the that's the. I mean, shit. One of their biggest sellers for this with the Switch was the lab shit, and they just gave you cardboard to play with. Like, how much do they care? Yeah, I mean, dude, actually, weird enough. What do you call that? That Ring Fit Adventures. Apparently, it's, like, sold out everywhere. It's scalped to high heaven, and it wasn't even, like... I don't think it was even limited in its supply. Like, just somehow that workout module ring thing that you put your Joy-Cons in is selling like hotcakes. So, I mean, whatever the hell they throw out there with the Switch, it almost does no wrong. Like, I don't think Labo was, like, a crazy big seller for it, but it sold enough, I guess. 
I felt like the shit I was seeing, I mean, maybe I'm just inspired by the amount of Twitter activity I saw on it, but I felt like everyone was talking about it. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I was, you know, maybe something I'll look up for next time, see how much Labo actually sold. Yeah. So, interesting topic. I'm curious to see what's going to be the final, final outcome of all of it. Let me see if I can... Oh, they sold about a million kits last year. So, they're not cheap, so that's pretty good. Ain't bad. So, 1.39 well, million kits as of sometime recently. As of Oh, as of July of 2018. Wow. Damn. So that's probably even doing even better. Well, wow, wow, there's yeah. a shocking uh, decent amount. Yeah. So let us know what you think below, guys. <clears throat> All right. And next, we actually have a beer topic sent into us by our good buddy, Snarkast. Thank you, bud. Um, <laughs> it's a beer topic. It's a very interesting one. But uh, for those of you who follow the XFL, there's probably not many of you out there that do it. But... Um, the DC Defenders fans created one of the longest beer snakes in human history. One, I didn't know there was, there is an actual record for the longest beer snake. And I guess I should preface this by saying a beer snake is when you stack together all the empty cups of beer and just make it like a really long thing. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see, and maybe you know it, Jim, um, what was the actual length of this thing? Uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm trying to see. I mean, it's almost the entire length of, like, the upper stands of the stadium. So, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's freaking huge. I'm trying to see if the article says how many was in there. Yeah, I don't see it, but it's, it, I mean, shit. It is. Just, just post a picture. <laughs> let the people see. What do you call it? It's, like, if you've ever been to, like, a sporting event in, like, an open stadium, you know how big those upper sections can be, and the fact that it's basically going all the way up is insanity. Yeah, it's crazy because, one, you're at a football game, and how many of those people were drunk? The fact that that many people coordinated together and could keep that shit together. Oh, you know some motherfuckers got dripped on. And they must have gotten it from like all over the stadium, passed over to them, too, because that's a shitload of cups. Yeah. Um... Wow, yeah, it, it's just uh, the more I'm reading about, it, the crazier it is. But that's a that's an impressive feat. And if you've ever done anything with drunk people, you know, getting them to coordinate anything is a fucking nightmare. So, yeah, that's just oh, a, that's they, just a cool random god. They say it unofficially featured 1,237 cups. So God wow. only knows, but. <laughs> well, okay. So, and then I was looking at the attendance record. So they were like usually about 15,000. So that's not – I actually thought it was going to be more cups than that, but I guess that makes sense. I mean, they probably just threw a number out there anyway. I mean, it is Vince yeah. McMahon's football federation, so. This is true. <laughs> Which but... I was surprised that they closed up as early as they did. Not because they were failing this time. They were doing a lot better than before, but, you know, corona broke out. Everything, you know, stopped itself. But I was like, no, that that motherfucker Vince McMahon, he'll probably stick around for like another two weeks just to be the only game in town. And I'm pretty shocked he didn't, especially in like the early stages of the pandemic, because he could have he could have dominated TV sports for about two weeks. Yeah, no, no, for real. They definitely could have. So and you know what? You never see these beer snakes at NFL games. So good on the XFL fans, I guess. Maybe the beers are cheaper at those games. I'll be honest. It looks like like 
there's something just a little more fun about watching the X. Maybe because you don't have it. It's kind of like when you, you don't have to worry about being invested in shit. Like, yeah, I, I couldn't just watch. If you're watching anything in the NFL, chances are you're tying your emotion to the team you you support the most, or no matter what it is. Yeah, exactly. So with the XFL, if you're watching, you're just probably just a fan of sports and football, and you're like, all right, it's a little bit change. It's a change of pace. The rules are a little bit different, and the fans, I bet, are just a little bit more fun. Like it's not as tribal because, like, who the fuck is going to be hardcore ride or die for the DC Defenders? You know, like. Nobody even knows who the fuck that is. So it's just, I don't know. That would that would be cool to go to. And you know what? Like when it was on this time, I watched a bunch of games and I was like, you know what? This is decent. You know, it's it's like, you know, 1A pro football. So it was fine. It was something to watch. It was a bunch of guys trying to make a name for themselves. You know what I would love? And I saw this on Instagram or Twitter is <laughs> it would never fly. But it, how funny would it be? If at the end of the XFL season you have the number one team and you took the the last uh, ranked team in the NFL and those two played and whoever won gets to stay in the NFL, like oh. like they get crushed. But it would just be very interesting to see, like even the worst ranked team in the NFL, like how much would they smoke the XFL team? Oh, like, Matt McGloin's big comeback in the uh, in the XFL right there <laughs> in the NFL. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it would just be it would just be very interesting. I'm not suggesting like it would be a very competitive thing or maybe it would and it would surprise the shit out of us. I don't know, but that's always when like what do you call it? There's um, you know, during the course of an NBA season, like anytime a team's just tanking or just like absolute dog shit, like when the Sixers were tanking on purpose. There there was always that discussion of I wonder if we took the like the winner of the NCAA tournament and put them against the Sixers of that year and see like who would actually win that kind of game. That's what I mean. I yeah. love to like like you said, there's a strategic thing in losing, and then there is are they really just that bad? Like is it just the coach? Is it it can't just be that guys on the team are not like because even the worst team in the NFL are the some of the most talented athletes in the world. Right. But hey, put them against the top team in the XFL uh, let's see what happens. Like I don't know. I would love shit like that. I know it never, it's kind of like having fucking us hoping for a game between Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Like they just they ain't gonna happen. So or a game between Mortal Kombat and DC. Oh wait, damn it, Jim, <laughs> son of a bitch. But Brian, we did get Street Fighter X Tekken. No one cared about. We did. I because that's that's like it's kind of like when you waited forever for. Friggin' uh, Mayweather and Pacquiao, and then it happened ten years too late. Like yeah. they would give you other fights that you're like, I don't care, just get to the one I want. And I love me some Tekken, you know that. Yeah. But fuck, man, just give us Mortal Kombat, and Street Fighter, just give us every alternate ending you can. So Street Fighter wins one, Mortal Kombat wins one. But of course, Mortal Kombat, they tried to show with the DC, and you and I complained, and most people did. Most like, did. Just. Tone down the violence for the DC crowd, but you can't do that. Just look at Deadpool. Look at like movies now. There's superhero movies made rated R. They can make plenty of money. So Street Fighter, you can be rated R and you'd still make money. I promise you. So just do it. Stop being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, the next one. It's another beer topic. We're definitely not going to go through every single one of them. No. 
But from Thrillist, uh, love them or hate them, they make good clickable li links. And this one definitely applies to us as the best beer states in America. Uh, or no, the yeah, I hate the way this is worded. It's They're writing best beer states in America. But then they took the states and ranked the top beers in all of them. So I wish they would have said top beers in all states. But whatever. I'm nitpicking. Um, I do want to go right to PA. Well, yeah, what do you call it? It was clickbaitily titled, but it, <clears throat> you know, it's not what the article is. It's not what the article is, which is what most clickbait bullshit is. Um, very interesting. So, I'm really surprised by one of these because, well, well, we'll get into it. Yeah, so first off, there's Brew Gentleman General Braddock's IPA. Pretty so Brew Gentleman... I'm looking it up. I'm trying to make sure before I say anything. Um, do you know where they're located, Jim? Not offhand. I'm pretty sure I've had some brew gentlemen before. All right. So it's from Pittsburgh. So I've never I, – I, it's there's another gentleman or something brewery. So I've never actually had this. Oh, wait. It's Yinzer bullshit? All right. Get rid of that crap. <laughs> oh, you know those friggin' Pittsburgh people in their beer, Jim. Yeah, breweries in PA will have a thing to say to us about that. Yeah. It's the best ever. Ah, but, you um, but then you got Victory P Prima Pills, which... All right. Yeah, Even this is the one that I went. fucking Victory. You could, you could toss up Trogues. You could toss up Victory, Weyerbacher, whatever. Like, Yards, Yingling. What? Okay, fine. But the Prima Pills from Vic, like, really, guys? Like, that's what you're picking? And I don't, I actually like Prima Pills. I do, too. But it's but, nothing special. And everyone who talks about Victory, especially if you're out of state, you're going to talk about fucking Golden Monkey. Like, that's probably going to be the flagship beer. It's not for everyone, for sure, but that is the beer. It's like the 90-minute or 120-minute from Dogfish. Right. It's, it's just that is the beer you talk about. Yes, yeah, it, the pills is way more drinkable, but really, like that's the, I don't know what yeah. the fuck their criteria was. Like when you say victory, like and not even for like beer people like us, but you ask like you know casual drinkers around here, if you say like victory lager, they go, oh, hop devil, golden monkey, golden monkey, sour monkey. Like those are the ones that like people just like start spouting off. Like I said, premium pills is good, but there's a thousand better pilsners out there too. Yeah. It's just it, – that's a silly, silly one. And I still would have rather seen something from Trogues or somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Yards. But then their final was Tired Hands Alien Church, which – Tired Hands, yes. The If you're familiar with anything even close to the Philly beer scene or PA beer scene, Tired Hands is still pretty much on fire. But the thing that really put them on the market was their uh, milkshake IPAs. And it's a bit tough to put any particular milkshake IPA on a list because they rotate them in and out with so many different flavors. So Alien Church is like the staple IPA they have. So I get – I can actually completely agree. Throw that on there. It makes sense. Um, but I did read at the top. I have one apparently, for you when you're done. I have a good one for you. <laughs> yeah. But apparently the thing that makes it interesting is like <clears> – <throat> There's enough shit out there that you can use as metrics to to kind of get a feel for what's the most popular beer, what's the best rated. Use Beer Advocate. Use Untapped. Use these things that have credible sources, 
critics looking at him, but also the common people. And you could have just easily been like, hey, Victory, what's your number one beer checked in? And what's it rated? And you could have just done it like this. Instead, they just got writers and people from areas and said, hey, what's your favorite beer from that area? So we got, you know, Johnny, what the fuck's opinion on the beer from PA, apparently. And he chose his. So, yeah. I mean... This will tell, like, I just randomly <clears throat> scrolled to, like, Maryland. I was like, yeah, let me just go to a random state that's close by. You know what the first one they have listed is, Bri? Please don't tell me. It's Natty Hold Bone. on. National Bohemian. So if you've ever had the Narragansetts of the world, or, God, like, Milwaukee's best, like, this is the quality that, like, Natty Bo is. And while I can certainly drink those beers. Like, you're putting that on, like, a best beer from the state. How the fuck do you not have Yingling on a Pennsylvania list, then, if you're going to have Natty Bo on Maryland's? And also, they have four be- – like, they're inconsistent because I would have preferred they say top three beers, top whatever. But they have four beers for Maryland. But they only have three beers for PA. We're a lot fucking bigger than Maryland. We have way more beers and breweries than Maryland. But they get four beers, we get three. So, I, if there's one thing, if you haven't noticed with us <clears> – <throat> I hate inconsistency. I yell at him all the time for his inconsistency. I sure do. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do reviews is because I want to keep a consistency, take nostalgia out of shit, take a feelings out of it. Like, give me some facts or something that makes sense. Like, some of these states have literally one beer. Now, granted, it's like Arkansas and, you know, it's fucking Arkansas. West Virginia but, has one. Yeah. But, like, Delaware, Dogfish Head has its 90-minute IPA. Makes perfect sense. I'm fine with that selection. <clears throat> but Delaware does have other good breweries. So it's just, I don't know. That's fucking weird. Yeah, it's a weird list in general. Like, how do we have all these from fucking Utah with goddamn Mormon State? Because <laughs> there's some lawbreakers, Jim. Goddamn polygamists. Goddamn degenerates with all their beer. <laughs> so, yeah. if We'll put the link below. If you want to check out this list and you're from one of these states, let us know what you think. Um, it's a clickbaity list, and we got sucked in, unfortunately. But we had to comment on it because it is it is always interesting. It's a beer topic. It's something we can use. Yeah. All right. So the next, we're going back to a uh, recurring bit, which is better. And this one, actually, Jim, you put up, so I'll let you explain it. Yes. For this edition of Which is Better... I'll be asking, what do you think is better, Brian, between physical storage for your gaming needs, such as downloading games, downloading saves, blah, 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 or cloud storage, putting it out in the ether, in the cloud, something you can get at any time, in theory. Hmm. So you and I have talked many, many times on this podcast about physical versus digital and the pros and cons of each. and. If you have a collector's mentality, you're obviously always going to go physical. I don't know about you. If you're thinking old school games like memory cards, the physical capabilities of those were pretty small. And I always ran, even on my PlayStation 1, I have at least three memory cards. On my PlayStation 2, I have like four. And you run the risk with those small ass things of potentially always losing them. Granted, you had a lot of games that you could put the actual memory card in the the cassette um which was a nice feature but there is that risk of if you move if you do this if you do that you could lose them and there was just small 
they, they just held a small number of files, which could be annoying. The cloud storage stuff, super convenient, but if for some reason internet's down or cloud is down, you can't get access to any of your shit. Uh, it, it's just a question of, you know, you and I grew up when you needed to keep oversaving. Like everything you did, you oversave. Oh, you yeah. and I are probably the same where we oversave on Bethesda games. We oversave. If we're doing something on a laptop, I always like, I'll do like a few things and I'll hit save, save. Even if there's an auto save feature, it's so built into us to save that I think newer generations take that for granted that you could lose your shit. Um, and in the back of our heads, that's where we always go is like, well, what if this is down and you can't get to your stuff anymore? But more and more as technology gets better, like that's very unlikely that's going to happen. It could happen for sure. And there are times you can lose power and internet, but for the most part, you're not actually going to lose your storage. So it's like really just becomes a matter of convenience. I think as you move forward, I think cloud storage makes sense for games but it, there is that like that fine line, and if one day it ever does crash, it's going to be like everyone who has a physical storage of some show will be like, ha, see, I told you, this is where I shine. But as we've learned, a lot of CDs are really nothing more than digital codes that just unlock the digital anyway. Especially so anymore. It, yeah, so, th so it's kind of like you almost have to go with cloud storage moving forward, but... Um, I am someone who loves dependability, which is why I back up every digital download on an extra external hard drive for my like new Xbox games, because if I don't want to run into what you ran into with the Simpsons and yep. I've never had an issue with like save states or anything of that nature. And since I back it up, like I'm fine with cloud storage, but I will always back up physical. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's almost a thing where you can say the right answer is cloud storage, but it isn't quite there yet. It's pretty much almost there, but I mean, look, to go back to your point about like how we grew up in oversaving and oversaving, motherfucker, I grew up with Mac OS 9. I would be <laughs> in the middle of so many goddamn homework projects, and I'd be like, you know, two paragraphs away from being done. And all of a sudden, I'd get that pop up. And all it was was a picture of a bomb. That's all it said, because that's when you see the bomb, you go, oh, I just lost everything. And the, you'd have to reboot, and the uh, the auto-saving on that back then was goddamn horseshit. So, hey, yeah. Jim. Yes, Brian. Can I ask one favor? And it's really for the fans. It's not even for me. <laughs> go on. Can you please start posting pictures of you when you were young? <laughs> God damn! If if I get, uh, I'll, I'll look through some uh, some uh, family portrait albums and shit like that. I I'm need sure. that one that your wife and I. I think it was on my old phone, but that family portrait one of you, Jim. Oh, you need fuck. <laughs> yes, I know which look, one you're talking I, about. Hey, I have some embarrassing. You know what? That's what we need to do. I looked cute in that I, sweater. God damn it. I think we need to use some of my old photos and your old photos in our photos for like some of the thumbnails coming up. So I think, I think so. you need to do that. Listen, I can go with that. Most people were embarrassed by their younger shit. Like at least, well, I'll just, I'll just wait till you show it. Oh, no, don't worry. I can, I can easily, I think I have it buried on my phone somewhere, but at the very worst, when, I'm, when I allow myself to see my parents again and, you know, in person, I'll take the picture because it's hanging right on the wall in the den. 
<laughs> so yes, I will look that up. But yeah, going back to the topic at hand, yeah, like cloud storage is great, but it's still like a pain in the dick because, like, especially like ask anyone who's tried to transfer their shit from the old switch to a new switch, that <clears throat> pardon me, that is a complete pain in the balls. Or even like back in the day, I would try to um sign in on a buddy's xbox from using my xbox account because i would have say more cards unlocked in magic the gathering game or shit like that and it was just it's it's still kind of clunkier than it needs to be and i'm talking as like you know a boomer at this point because i remember the days when you could just bring your memory card over to a buddy's place pop it in and be like oh you have my roster of characters or you have all of my cards in a Yu-Gi-Oh game shit like that so it, it never had enough you know space for it it was a scam to make you buy more when you were talking earlier, I held up a uh, box VMU I had because that thing held like a game and a half before it filled up because that was just a gimmick. So physical storage, it's you know it's technically not the better option, but it's there's something to be said for dependability and being there. Like anytime I make a video myself for the page, I back it up on three different hard drives just in case. So mm-hmm. that's probably the era we grew up in, like you said, but. I'll always prefer physical storage, but I will say give it like another five years and there's be no argument against cloud storage, really. For sure. Yeah. So let us know, guys, what you think below. This this is one there, there, to me, there is no clear cut, like Jim said. Probably the right answer is uh, cloud, but there's, you know, holdouts like Jim and I who probably still like, will be like, yeah, we like your cloud, but just in case. Yep. All right. So for the final topic, and it is another reoccurring, um, overrate it, underrate it. Now, we already did one, thanks to our buddy Todd. <clears throat> but I wanted to throw this out here because Jim and I kind of danced around this one. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of hit it head on. The Silent Hill series. Is it overrated or is it underrated? And kind of, Jim, you tell me if I'm right or wrong in my assessment because you and I think kind of have the same opinion. First game, it was pretty good. It was like, okay, this is a more psychological. Second game, best of the series. And, you know, it took the psychological horror to a different level. We had its main competition being Resident Evil, which early Resident Evil games, I'm not saying they were action games, but they were more action-oriented than these than the like the scares you would get from the Silent Hill. God, what a, thinks, what a golden what a golden age too, just to cut you off real fast. Because like when yeah. Sound Hill two and three came out, is when we were going through Resident Evil remake and Zero and shit like that. So, man, and we already had Resident Evil yeah one through three. Like it was that was survival horror golden age. Yeah, and then you know so after Silent Hill three, <laughs> let's just say everything else happened. Yeah, and. And then, you know, I'll even throw in, and it still drives me crazy, Silent Hill PT, the goddamn demo that no one can play anymore. Yep. People still put that on list of best horror game ever. And granted, I will say, the experience, I didn't get to see it myself. I mean, I've watched enough reviews. I did not play it myself, but we all have probably seen it at this point. Yes, Layers of Fear. Uh, most games that do that first-person uh you keep walking and visually things are altered. It helped inspire that style, even from a demo, but probably a lot of games had been working on it at that time. But still, people are like, that's one of the best horror games. It's like, it's not a goddamn game if you can't play it. And only like 
two percent of people out there even have it on an unmodified system it's just crazy but either way there's no doubt in the whole canon of survival horror franchises whether you love it or hate it silent hill is up there i still think obviously resident evil is much better and especially with the remakes weighed in and there's talk of potentially um silent hill coming back but put that all aside do you think the series as a whole is overrated or underrated so jim i'll let you start with this one uh, i'm gonna have to say overall it's overrated just because with the exception like two is up there is one of the best horror games ever made three's really really good and one's pretty damn good as well though it's you know it's clunkier but you know but after that man like what was it downpour which is kind of like the remake of the original one is like decent but Mm -hmm. like you know for the room which shouldn't have even which really wasn't even starting as a silent hill game but they just threw the label on there to make it you know sell more and then all the ones after that which are kind of a disaster and like the weird isometric almost beat-em-up horror one that was like the last one on the vita in 2012 book of memories or some shit like that so yeah yeah overall the series itself isn't that great but its standouts are top tier. So, but overall, I guess as a series, I have to say it's overrated just for that alone. And strictly, I agree with Jim, but just if I play devil's advocate and I say it's underrated, the only reason I'll say underrated is because it did provide what I love, which is competition. Because otherwise, you would have had strictly Resident Evil clones. And you did see that from like D... Martian Gothic, like... uh, Overblood. uh, Overblood, Dino Crisis. You were seeing all these games that were starting to be like, oh, we're like Resident Evil. And here's your gun, and here's a bad guy, and shoot, shoot, bang, bang. Do puzzle, you're good. Silent Hill, to me, inspired games like uh, Fatal Frame. Or... um, Fear or I, fear is not as good of an example, but or what games do you call it, like that, amnesia or what do you call it? Uh, what yes, it? exactly. Yeah, no, that that's a good one. The dark descent. So and you had like Clock Tower in its own little niche too. The whole time, I think Fatal Frame was yeah. kind of around the same time too. Fatal Frame's been around forever. It just never really. Yeah, was but in the Fatal West. Frame came out. Yeah, but like Fatal Frame still came out after Silent Hill. So I'm saying like the okay. idea of you didn't need combat in order to be scary and you could really set the mood you know resident evil set plenty of mood but at the end of the day it was also scary because you were fighting you had to be tactical with your ammo and you could obviously fight in silent hill but that really wasn't the scary point of the game and i like that that helped build that ideology into other games and inspire other games um and you could say, like, the imagery was even more scary than Resident Evil. Because Resident oh, way Evil more. used... way more. Yeah. Like, Resident Evil used a lot of atypical, you know, zombies, creatures, whatever. They create their own, but at the same time, it was like, okay, stuff you saw. This was a regular-ass dude dealing with these crazy, horrific aberrations. Whereas Resident Evil, you were a special forces person dealing with zombies and whatnot. So, I think for that... And setting out what it did. And obviously, it still has such a goddamn uh, heavy fan hold that PT can get on the list, as I mentioned, as the most, the best horror game of all time. So I think what they really need to do, take a step back, kind of like DC and Marvel movies. Like Marvel knocked it out of the books, 
Now, DC, can you please just copy what Marvel did and do it the right way? I want Silent Hill. Go back. Do remakes of your games with new systems. Add some more story. Ain't no shame in the game at this point. They they did do an HD remake of uh, Silent Hill two and three last generation. Yeah, it was I, I like have a rush job. It was like a rush job, and they just botched the shit out of it. So <clears throat> maybe take the original Silent Hill and maybe like what they did with Downpour, but even for this day and age, because especially for guys mm-hmm. like us, like the stories you're saving your missing daughter from an occult. So yeah, like if you want something to make us shit our little panties, like there's Dude, the game for us. That moment in. Silent Hill 1, when you get into that alleyway and you're like, I don't know where to go, and you turn around, those fucking nurses are, and ugh. And the little baby monsters are like eating you and shit. You're just like, what the fuck is going, like, it's just, yeah, it's creepy as shit. So, I'll say underrated, but as I said, it's playing devil's advocate. So, yeah, I would really, what I really want to hear is from you guys, you know, do you have an opinion on this? And this obviously will become its own segment, so really, let us know. What do you guys think? And I'll probably just put it out there that as far as straight horror goes, Silent Hill at its best is better than Resident Evil ever was. As far as just like straight up horror goes. Like, I don't think, well, you know what? With the exception of Resident Evil 2 Remake, I don't, because that really had me on the edge of my seat, but like nothing really in Resident Evil ever disturbed me just as much as uh, Silent Hill ever did at its best. The only thing I would, I mean, I would just argue. Had I played Resident Evil 1 Remake as young as I played the original Resident Evil, that Lisa Trevor shit, that was creepy as fuck. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, like, and we talked about it before, like, even growing up when we did, like, the zombie head turning around and the dogs coming through the window. Like, oh, that yeah. still still scarred the shit out of us. So, maybe it's me also looking back, you know, after 20-some years. Yeah. But let us know what you think below, guys. Um, and with that, I think we're going to close it out. We thank you. We will try and stay a little more consistent, but really until next time, cheers, guys. Cheers.